All right, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. I want to um, begin by reminding everybody that this is a precious day that should never be forgotten or abandoned or anything, that it is Wednesday, this is the day and the time between Dhuhr and Asr, in which the Messenger Sallallahu prayer regarding the conquest and the Ahzab that we're going to, that we're trying to destroy the entire Ummah, this is the day in which their plot was, was foiled and the prayer of the Prophet, peace be upon him, was answered. The dua of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Allah takes care of them and pushes them away was answered. That is a big deal. It's not a small thing. And from that time onwards, many, many Sahaba, uh, they took that time as a time of dua. And that special time of dua in which you're, 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 the, the answer of your dua would actually manifest there will be a sign it doesn't necessarily mean that it would was answered but a sign that it will be answered okay a positive bushra would also happen at that time so we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open our hearts uh and to remember him in dua and munajat if you cannot speak your heart to allah then who can you speak your heart to a person should have no shame in bringing all of their humums and desires passions and fears in front of their creator he knows them anyway Think about it. What do you have to lose? He knows them anyway. And Allah is merciful, tolerant, and, and rahim, and ghafoor. So bring everything to Allah, even a person who has uh, a, a bad desires. And sometimes you may think it's a bad desire. It's not a bad desire. It's an okay desire. You, you bring this to Allah. Oh, Allah, rectify my heart or fulfill my desires. Uh, uh, protect me from my fears. And overall, we have we can never forget to ask Allah Ta'ala istiqama and guidance. Today... Uh, Muslim affairs is our is our subject matter, but we're only going to talk about Muslim affairs for like one minute. There's one thing I have to say, and then we're going to talk about the Mi'raj because this is a special time of year, and it's the time of the Isra Mi'raj, and it's something that we have to talk about. Okay, so um, when we talk about this, when we talk about the Mi'raj, what we need, uh, uh, sorry, the Muslim affairs. What I want to talk about in specific is the concept and the idea of who is directing our attention. All right, who's directing our attention? It can't be. Every time the media, global or otherwise, they latch on to something, okay? And they latch on to some idea that we, like parrots, uh, could you just push the phone over? It's just hitting me. Yeah, there you go. Okay, and just turn it slightly. There you go, that's good. Every time that the global media goes on to something, that we jump on it, Right? And just follow it the way everyone else is. Can't be like that. Be really careful of who's directing your attention and who's directing your energy. Where is your energy going? Okay. And I've seen people, and, and it's in all forms of opinions. Okay. Opinions you may agree with or disagree with, but when we talk about affairs, we always have to look at, or the news, we always have to look at that these editors, they're human beings. They have their own agenda. No one's doing anything for the for, for, for just the sake of information. This is not the olden days where you had like journalistic. Every All journalism has a degree of editorial. Editorial means the opinion side of the thing. Okay? You got to be aware of this. So just because something, event is happening in the world, it doesn't mean it's, it, it requires my attention. It may or may not be. You, only, you need to not be ignorant about it just for the sake of not being ignorant and looking like a fool. But this idea and this concept that uh, we're just going to run after them. 
All right, so so for 2020, of course, COVID is all the news. Okay, then we run after that. Then now, what is it? It's Russia and Ukraine. We run after that. I I'm a I, I totally understand the idea of being informed, but sometimes you look at people and it's like complete emotions are completely controlled. So if anything that a certain news organization is outraged at, they're outraged. They're like puppets, right? Something that the uh, another news organization downgrades and dismisses, they downgrade and dismiss. Where's the independence of thought? Okay, And in this case, if, if it's not something that's you know, touching upon something forbidden that you're going to be asked about on the Day of Judgment, is not a major big deal, but it is a sign of a lack of independence. And you're just like a puppet. So don't be like this. Right? Think critically. Realize everyone behind a news station, there's a human being. He may look like the anchor man is like just giving you straight up news. No. Everything has opinion and agenda based upon it. And a Muslim should never be following a block or an idea or uh, 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 even a civilization just blindly. Okay, And just assuming the framework that they give us. In any event, that's a little thing that uh, I see because I... Uh, we should really value our energy and our attention. Where, who, and what is de determining what you pay attention to and how much energy and emotion you put into something? You got to be very cautious about that. Isra and Mi'raj is something that is a massive thing. Nothing is greater, okay, uh, in this month than the Isra and Mi'raj that happened in, 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 in all of history. And that's something that, that's what this is where our attention deserves to be, okay. So here we go. Isra and Mi'raj. We talked yesterday a little bit about the Isra. And today we're going to talk about the Mi'raj. When the Prophet ﷺ arrived, okay, uh, uh, Sayyidina Jibreel took him to the first door of the heavens. You have to understand that the heavens is different from paradise. Paradise is the abode in which there is eternal bliss. And the Prophet ﷺ is the first one to enter paradise and no one enters before him. And so it is the uh, samawat, our, our abodes of existence, that are different from the paradise, so, uh, uh, the seven paradises. Okay. So the Prophet ﷺ went to the seven samawat. So we talk about these, the first heaven, second heaven. It is an abode of existence that's different from paradise. And there, the, the, there was a doorman there. And he asked, who's with you? And Sayyidina Judi said, Muhammad. And he said, was he asked for? Yes. And then he smiled and he welcomed him. The angel smiled and welcomed him. And Sayyidina Jibreel asked at the first uh, abode of heaven, he said, would you like to see your father? Come and sa give salam to your father. Then the Prophet Sallallahu uh, was introduced. Abuka Adam. This is your father, Adam. And Sayyidina Adam said, Ahlan bin ya bunaya ni'mal ibni ant. Welcome, O oh my son. What a blessed son you are. Okay, so that was Sayyidina Adam. Now you're going to notice here that we're going to talk about these prophets. There's a link between the messenger, his experience, and every one of these prophets' experience. And that's why these specific prophets were chosen for the prophet to meet. Because remember the context of the Mi'raj. It's that the prophet's struggle with Quraysh is getting very bad. It's at a low point. Every single experience that the prophet has with one of these messengers is a different type of healing for the wounds that they that the Quraysh has created inside the Prophet ﷺ. Because the Prophet, peace be upon him, yes, he's he's Bashar, he's human being. He's upset by certain things. Okay, And Allah Ta'ala would not say, Perhaps you are so upset 
because of the, the, the reaction of the Quraysh. Okay, so the Prophet is a human being and he loves Mecca and he loves his people and he wants to guide them. So he's upset from that aspect. Okay, we don't say that the Prophet was upset because he was a weak personality. No, he was upset at the, the, the reaction he's getting from Quraysh. Okay, so each one of these Prophets reflects something very similar to the Messenger that he was going to and is a healing for it. Now, Sayyidina Adam, what is, what is the link here? What is the connection? What's similar? between Sayyidina Adam and the Prophet Well, the link very simply is that Adam he, an incident occurred where he was also removed from an abode. And the Prophet at this stage of the seerah, he is on the verge of being removed out of Mecca. There's like there's no room anymore. He's, he can't, he, has, he doesn't even have personal safety anymore. He has no personal safety in Mecca. So he's on the verge of being removed out of Mecca. And, and, and forced out. As he says, Akhrajuni, your people. He spoke to Mecca on the way out of the Hijrah. He said, you are my most beloved city, if not that your people have removed me. So that's the similarity. Sayyidina Adam was removed from paradise and came onto the earth, and the Prophet ﷺ is about to be removed. Now what does, what else? There's something else. Prophet Adam ﷺ, he had a black mass, like a dark, a big mass, Next to him, like a cloud of uh, of of ashbah, like spirits, right, and a big cloud of spirits on his left side, and he would look at the right side and be so happy, and then he would look on the left side and be so sad, and then Sayyidina Judi said, "What is it?" He said, "This on your right side, these are all the believing souls that are going to be happy in paradise, eternally, and on the left side, these are all of the disbelieving souls that are going to the hellfire." So the Prophet what is the source of the Prophet's uh, uh, upsetness? That his own people, some of them are taking themselves to the hellfire. So he sees actually the fitna of Adam in this respect is even greater, right? Because Satan Adam's children are all the people. So everybody that's going to the hellfire, he has a connection to. Whereas, for example, us, if someone went to the hellfire and it's like, 1600s right and was a kafir in the 1600s is there a connection between us no is there a connection between even the messenger muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam or the sayyidina isa bin maryam or sayyidina musa is there a connection between them and the followers or the ummah of prophet nuh there's no connection right so allah is showing the prophet peace be upon him someone who lost something greater he was in paradise now he's in mecca uh, now he's on the earth Sayyidina Adam lost something greater. He lost a greater city than Mecca. He lost paradise itself, or he was made to move from paradise itself. And there's a divine wisdom there, and no sin on Adam. This was all planned. But he also saw that he saw somebody with more followers lost because the prophets, his, his upsetness is how many of his relatives, his tribe, his people will be lost by rejecting this message. Well, look at Sayyidina Adam. You're going to feel that he lost a lot more. Say, and Adam looks to his left and he sees all of his children that were in the hellfire. Do you know what kind of feeling that is? But if you had two children that went to the hellfire, right, you, you, you wouldn't be able to live normally anymore. Imagine all of the people in the hellfire are your children. And we may not understand this, but think about this. Think about this. You're in a position where like, you're the head of a tribe or something like this. And you have 10 kids, and then these 10 kids have 10 kids. And then all 
you still feel a connection to every single one of your grandkids because you're their origin physically by the permission of Allah. So that's the first connection and the first healing that happens for the Prophet Sayyidina Ibrahim Adam lost something greater and he lost more people. Second connection. He goes and in the second heaven, he sees two sons of sisters. Okay. Abna Khala. And they are Sayyidina Isa and Sayyidina Yahya. Right. Sayyidina Isa and Sayyidina Yahya. What is similar between Sayyidina Isa and Sayyidina Yahya? Well, very simple. They were both rejected by their people. That's the connection that the Prophet Sallallahu has with them. The similarity between Sayyidina Isa and Sayyidina Yahya and the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is that they were both rejected by their people and he shows them too. Why? Because the Prophet does have a share in each. Sayyidina Isa, they thought that they didn't kill him. Allah raised him up and protected him from his enemies. Sayyidina Yahya was killed in a vicious death and he's buried in Damascus. So the Sahaba of the Prophet ﷺ, some of them will be protected like Sayyidina Isa, some of them will be killed. And the Prophet himself, sometimes he faced injury and sometimes he was protected. But he saw the extreme, an extreme of rejection and persecution through Sayyidina Isa and Sayyidina Yahya. Sayyidina Yahya, it is said, was beheaded. Was beheaded. I mean, a gruesome killing. And Sayyidina Isa, they wanted to crucify him, but Allah protected him. So he saw the loss of Sayyidina Adam. Now the, 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 the killing of Sayyidina Yahya and the rejection, outright rejection of Sayyidina Isa. What more can you do if Allah says about Sayyidina Isa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about Sayyidina Isa, you, you take mud, you fashion it in the form of a bird. You blow on it and the bird flies away and they still didn't believe. So the Prophet ﷺ is always looking, what can I do to make these people believe so they could save themselves from the fire? Allah is showing him, here is a prophet. He fashioned a bird in front of everybody out of mud, blows in it, and the bird flies away by the permission of Allah. And they still don't believe. So people, they don't want to believe because they don't want to. There's nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do. People choose their beliefs based upon their desires more so than their intellects okay next is the prophet yusuf prophet yusuf now the prophet comes and this is a great bishara prophet yusuf is a great bishara because prophet yusuf what is the link between the prophet muhammad and the prophet yusuf they both share in a great amount of ups and downs no one is more dramatic than the ups and downs than the prophet yusuf sayyidina yusuf having this wonderful family with all these brothers and a father who loves him so much. And, and then he loses all that. He's in the well. Then he's put out of the well. He's bought it, made a slave. It's terrible. And sold in the slave market. But good news for him, he's sold into a wonderful household where the, the Aziz treats him so well. And it's a rich household. There's plenty of food, plenty of security. And then it gets worse again because as he grows and becomes so handsome, the wife of the Aziz, she lures him and the fitna happens. And he ends up in jail for 10 years. But that comes to an end because he becomes the minister. Okay? And then he is, um, he's the minister 
of of Egypt now, and he's he's the save he he saves Egypt. He saves the whole of area because of his economic plan and his 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 wisdom and ability to understand events. Then that turns sour. It's not in the Quran, but in other books that turns sour because the 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 king now starts to worry. Right? He starts to worry. Uh, Yusuf is more popular than the king. So the king, uh, that is a fitna, but it's resolved. And Sayyidina uh, Yusuf and Beni Israel, they're given a place to live. They're given a place to go and, um, and live, and it's in the desert area. And he rules there, the Beni Israel, as their imam, as their sheikh, as their tribal leader, as their forefather, until he passes away. You know, that's the part that's not in the Quran, that the king had a fallout with Sayyidina Yusuf because he worried about him. He's too popular. So he sent him over there, right? And they lived in Egypt. Ups and downs and ups and downs. Well, the Prophet Muhammad, his life is a microcosm of ups and downs and ups and downs. The first thing that he was celebrated when he was born, the Prophet, peace be upon him, because Abdullah, remember, Abdullah, the father of the Prophet, peace be upon him, was going to be sacrificed. And as a celebration of the sacrifice, that he wasn't sacrificed, that they found a way out of this sacrifice, was that they're going to to, to marry and Abu Ta, uh, uh, Abdul Muttalib and Abdullah they go and they go up north they leave Mecca they go up to the Jurhum people and they marry okay that's where Abdullah marries his uh, uh, Sayyidah Amina Sayyidah Amina's sister is Sayyidina Hamza okay so who is the Abna Khala here the Prophet and Hamza right what is the fate of Hamza we said the word Abna Khala or Banay Khala two sons of two sisters Isa and, Har and, and Yahya they're two sons of two sisters. What's the fate of Isa and Yahya? One is protected by Allah and one is martyred. What is the fate of the Prophet, the, the two Bani Khala, the Prophet Muhammad and Hamza ibn Abd al-Muttalib? They are so close to each other. They are mothers or sisters. One is protected by Allah, one is martyred. You see the Prophet's getting a healing by seeing others who went through the same thing. Sayyidina Yusuf alayhi salam, uh, the Prophet Muhammad alayhi salam, he lives this, he's celebrated when he's born. And then he loses his father, uh, his mother. Then he goes and he lives with his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, who's the legend of Quraysh. And he sits him out down. And this son of mine is going to have an affair. He's going to be somewhat. And he's in the lap of, of power. And he's in the lap of love of his grandfather. Then he loses his grandfather. Then he goes to Abu Talib. Okay. And then he, he has some hard years that he has to work as a shepherd. Okay. Then he marries Sayyidah Khadija. Okay. And then... He he's constantly having these, then he loses Sayyidah Khadija in the, the year of sadness. Ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. Very similar to Sayyidina Yusuf. So, but Sayyidina Yusuf is like drastic. Okay, It's a drastic up and down. Like jail and then king, like right away, or minister. So when the Prophet Sallallahu sees these ups and downs from Sayyidina Yusuf, then that's the connection there by seeing someone else who went through this. Number four, the prophet Idris. In the fourth heaven, he sees the prophet Idris. What is the connection with the prophet Idris? Prophet Idris is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, We elevated him to a very high level. Very little is known about prophet Idris. But what we know is that he wanted to live forever. He wanted to live on forever. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the angel said, okay, go discuss it with the other angels. In the uh, angel of go discuss it with Israel. Where's the meeting with Israel in the fourth heaven? When Sayyidina Idris sees this, the fourth heaven, he says, 
he i don't i didn't say i said he wanted to live forever no i meant he wanted to live longer when the angel of death comes to a prophet he takes the permission of the prophet and idris says no i want to keep doing good works on the earth so they said well if you want to live longer go talk to Israel in the fourth heaven so he goes and when he sees the fourth heaven all of the hayat dunya is erased from his memory and he says I i'll stay so what is the connection with the Prophet ﷺ? This mi'raj is absolutely erasing all of the scars that they have, the abuse that they've poured on the Messenger ﷺ. So just Idris is basically saying, oh, I know exactly what you're saying, because Idris was a mujahid. He was fighting Qabil the whole time. And Prophet Idris ﷺ then says, uh, 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 then stays, because all when he sees paradise, it just removes all of his feelings for this world and that's what happened to the prophet this mi'raj removed you think now when you see all of this you're worried about abu jahl you're going to worry about abu lahab little creature this big of this value and he's looking and the prophet seeing how many angels are working in the seventh heaven alone seventy thousand angels every day from the, the dawn of cre creation are making umrah and they never go back Multiply the amount of days by 70,000. And that's just how many angels there are okay, in that heaven, let alone anywhere else. Okay, so the amount of the force, the great size and force and the, the, the amazing location of paradise, of what Allah possesses, it makes all of the suffering that the Prophet had paltry, just as it made Idris say, you know what? If this is where what happens after death, I'll stay. And then they took his soul there in the fourth heaven. Next he meets Harun and then Musa alayhi salam. Harun, Sayyidina Harun and Sayyidina Musa. What is the commonality between the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and Sayyidina Harun? There is a commonality. Sayyidina Harun was beloved by the people. They loved Harun. He was soft. He was easygoing. But that didn't stop them from disobeying him when they worshiped the golden calf. And all many times in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh Muhammad, it is not you that they uh, hate. It is the rule of Allah that they hate. Okay? Because the Prophet never imagined that he would be hated in Mecca. Why? Because he's beloved. He's beloved. Everyone loved him. People trusted their money with him. They trusted judgments with him. He was beloved in Mecca. Just as Harun was beloved. But then when the people want to go astray, you can't stop them, whether they love you or not. So get this idea out of your head that, uh, you know, for us, that if you're lovable and you're cool and you're whatever, that people will follow you. No, they won't if they don't want to follow Allah. And that's what happened. As much as they loved Harun, they still worshipped the golden calf. Not only did they worship the golden calf, they pushed Harun away. Okay, They turned on Harun when he said, don't worship the golden calf. They turned on him. Okay. So Allah is showing you a prophet here that all the people loved, yet they still disobeyed him. So it's not you that's the problem. If they don't like the rule of Allah. Go to sixth heaven, and he meets the prophet Musa alayhi salam. The similarity between the Prophet Muhammad and the Prophet Musa is more than any other prophet in terms of mission, in terms of physical appearance, 
and character, his similarity is with the next prophet, Prophet Ibrahim. But in terms of his mission, the most similar is the Prophet Musa a.s. And that Prophet Musa a.s. is the leader of the people. And here he's going to advise the Messenger wasallam about life as a leader. When the Prophet comes back with the prayers, Prophet wasallam, uh, Sayyidina Musa wasallam, asks him, he stops him and he asks him. Because he knows when you're going to that level, you're going to come back with something for the whole ummah. And he knew this. So he asked him, what did you receive? Why? Because Sayyidina Musa, he did not go up to the heavens. He went up to the mountain. And Allah revealed the law for Bani Israel. And the same thing happened to both of them. A cloud would descend on Sayyidina Musa in the mountain. And then Allah would speak to him. Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ, when he passed the Sidrat al-Muntaha, and he passed the Rafraf, and he spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a cloud would descend, the Prophet would prostrate, and, the, and then Allah ta'ala would reveal what he wants to reveal, directly to the Prophet, peace be upon him, without intermediary. So he, they both became Kalimullah. The Prophet ﷺ was Mukallam. The difference is that Musa spoke to Allah anytime he wanted on the earth. The Prophet ﷺ spoke to Allah ta'ala in the heavens. And only that one time. But it made him mukallam. If you notice, you see here, all of these prophets, they had they were persecuted in a certain way and they had certain other virtues. And the prophet has a little bit of everything. So that no prophet does not ha has something that the prophet doesn't have a share of. He has a share of everything. Just like what is the color white? It's a share of all the other colors. So the prophet has a share of everything that they suffered. He suffered something of it. Everything that they, virtues that they got, they had, he received some virtue similar to it. Okay. So Prophet Musa, the connection is leader of people, leaders. They are the leaders of their people. Not every prophet was a leader of their people. And not every prophet bought the law. Prophet Muhammad and Prophet Musa bought the law. Then lastly, the Prophet Ibrahim, this is the, like saying the bookends of prophethood after the flood we restart everything the front is prophet ibrahim the end is prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam prophet ibrahim what did he have to do slaughter his son ismail what happened in the life of the prophet his father abdullah so the bookends had to be completely purified if we can say that phrase bookends right the front end and the back end okay Complete purification. You see so many similarities between the life of the Prophet Muhammad, Prophet Ibrahim salam, from the aspect of the ikhlas and the sincerity and the absolute purification. The, the, the existence in Mecca, as an example. The slaughtering of Ismail on one hand and the slaughtering of the Prophet's father on the other hand. Complete purification. And so he's seeing the beginning and the Prophet Muhammad is the end. Right? And this is why the Prophet Ibrahim even though he's the first of prophets, in other words, the father, Abu al-Anbiya, father of all prophets, in the Isra, when he sees the prophets traveling, he says, Assalamu alaikum ya awwal. Peace be upon to you, O first. Even though he's the first of prophets. So how does he call the prophet the first? He's recognizing, even though I was the first prophet sent, in other words, after the flood, you are the first prophet created. Because the prophet, وسلم, they asked him, when were you a prophet? He said, kuntu nabiyan wa adamu bayna al-ma'i wa teen. I was a prophet while Adam was still between water and mud. Okay, so uh, this aspect that we're talking about is the connection of 
the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam with these seven prophets because you or there are actually eight, uh, eight prophets because um the second heaven had the two sons of two sisters isa and yahya and you wonder why were these prophets why these prophets this is the connection between these prophets that it could have been any other prophet that the prophet sallallahu uh chose uh, or that allah chose for the messenger but he chose these for a reason and these are the wisdoms so we're gonna we can we can stop here and we could go into the q a now uh but the q a remember it will be solely about anything connected to the miraj all right anything connected to the miraj ryan do we have anything to start with yes so right. we have one um yesterday someone mentioned that you mentioned that the Isra wal Miraj would be a fitna for the people, which is why some people apostated. But they mentioned that in the hadith of Heraclius, uh, when Khalid bin Walid was asked whether people who become Muslim ever leave, he replied, No. So, how do, and, and he said this, these both took place during the um, Meccan period. So, how do we reconcile this? The answer is that uh, in general, in general, there isn't a movement that people come in and they spend a few years and they leave, right? That's what is meant by it, because there we do we we do know on record it is on record that um, there are people who apostate, right? But it's not a trend. It was they, they were exceptions. There's always exceptions to every rule. This was the trend: is that people uh, there is no trend that people come in, spend a few years, most of them and leave. That's what it's meant by. All right. Uh, if you had any questions, please put it in on Instagram, put it in the question box because I just opened my Instagram. And as a result, I can't see all the past questions. Someone asked, um, Maliki Click asked, what was the, is it hadith or an ayah that says it is not you that they hate, but it's the rule of Allah? Yeah, um, it is. Uh, what surah is, is it that... Um, I can't recall the surah. Let me find it for you while we do the next question. Okay, next question. Um, so I heard that the Sheikh Imam Ahmed bin Hanbal was of the opinion that the Prophet وسلم, saw Allah. Is that true? Yes, there's a difference of opinion on this uh, between the Sahaba and afterwards. Okay, so considering the Miraj, is it okay to say that Allah is above the throne without discussion? Or they said, isn't it okay to say Allah is above the throne without discussion? Just as we recite, he is near and close. As long as we know, there's none like him. And aboveness and closeness is unlike creation. Yes, yeah, so a person could simply recite the verses that are the mutashabihat while knowing that Allah Ta'ala is not... Um, in a location and is not contained by a location nor is he in his creation that would be called hulul that he's in his creation the 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 air the airspace i guess you could say above the throne is creation there's no doubt about it right the the space above the throne is creation it's created it's not pre-eternal therefore we say you yes you may recite the verse while believing that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is uh uh, not in his creation. That is called hulul, which is that saying that the divine is inside of his creation. And anyway, uh, istawa is, does not mean sit down. It means complete. He's in complete control. Uh, 
the verse is in Surah Al-An'am. We know that it makes you sad what they say. But they're not saying you're a liar. However, it is with the signs of Allah and the ayats of Allah or the rule of Allah Ta'ala that they are rejecting. So they're not saying you're a liar. Okay? Just like with Harun, they loved Harun. Nobody said Harun was a liar, but they rejected right, the Tawheed. Right, that that Allah bound upon them. Okay, next. So we're going to do a third episode of this, right? If you want, with the meeting and the yes. prayers and everything, okay. we can do okay. that with the prayers. Yes, tomorrow we could do another third episode on this. So, inshallah, um, we'll we'll answer some of these questions between the meeting of Allah and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Yeah, that, we do that next week, inshallah. Uh, next uh, tomorrow. So, someone asked, "What does pre-eternal mean?" What is the meaning of pre-eternal? It means that eternal um, is, means ha, something that has a beginning but no end. That's like the idea of eternal. But when we say pre-eternal, um, we mean has no beginning and no end. So first without a beginning. That's the meaning. No beginning. It exists by necessity. As a, This is the attribute of Allah Ta'ala. It exists by necessity. And therefore, he and he has no beginning. There's no thing. There was a time when there was no such thing as cause and effect. That's the big difference between us and the naturalists, right? The naturalists, they will say, "Oh, well, what caused God?" What they, what the naturalists actually believe, is that cause and effect is an absolute. It's a default of existence. We say cause and effect is a creation. Okay, there was a time where there was no such thing as cause and effect. No, no such thing as gravity. No such thing as whatever uh, matter. So there must have been a creator okay, that existed in that realm. Yeah, it, or, or, and, so, and, and there was no time. There's no such thing as time. So that's what we say about uh, the idea of pre-eternal is that is the existence before all other things and there was uh, and before time. So timelessness. So that's why we cannot think about the essence of Allah is we can't imagine the absence of space and time. Uh, Ali of faith are the galaxies and stars we see in the sky all in the first heaven. Yes. Everything we see is what we call the Sama'a dunya not the first heaven. Sama'a dunya the lowest heaven. Beat says, uh, can you, not the lowest heaven, the lowest realm. Can you explain the tie between Sayyidina Hamza the Prophet's mother and the Prophet ﷺ, please. When the Prophet ﷺ's father, Abdullah, was saved from being uh, slaughtered because Abdul Muttalib had said one day when he was in need of sons, in need of support, he said, if I ever had 10 sons, I would slaughter one for Allah. And then one day he looked up and he said, Wait, I have 10 sons. And he remembered the oath. People said to him, it wasn't really an oath. You were just saying it. He said, no, but I said it, right? So I want to fulfill the oath. So I'm going to go. And they picked, randomly picked a son by spinning arrows. And the, and it came to Abdullah. So he immediately took Abdullah. Then you know the rest of the story that they went to an arbitrator. And the arbitrator said, spin the arrow. If every time it poisons Abdullah, put 10 camels. Slaughter 10 camels as sadaqah. That will expiate your oath. After that expiation, they went to celebrate by marrying from the Jurhum tribe. So Abdul Muttalib and Abdullah both went. And they married women from the Jurhum tribe. One was older, one was younger. 
Abdullah married the younger woman, sister. They were sisters. Abdullah married the younger sister. Abdul Muttalib married the older sister. Oh, then the, then the, I, the Instagram then needs to be. Uh, um, so he then said, uh, so then they said, Hamza was born from Abdul Muttalib and Sayyidina Muhammad was born from Abdullah. And that's the connection. So they are uh, uncle and nephew and from the dad's side, right? Abdul, from, the, from, the, from the father's side, the Prophet Muhammad is the nephew of Abdullah. Of, of Hamza but from the mother's side they're cousins and that's why when the prophet meets Sayyidina Isa and Sayyidina Harun uh, Sayyidina Yahya they're cousins from the mother's side just as Hamza and the prophet are cousins from the mother's side one was protected by Allah one was uh, martyred likewise with the prophet Muhammad and Sayyidina Hamza the prophet is protected by Allah Hamza is martyred Did the Mi'raj take place in the past, present, or future? It took place in the in the in the in the present, but the yani, present for the Prophet peace be upon him. But he was able to see certain things of the future. Today we're on questions solely on the meeting of the prophets in the Isra. Uh, sorry, in the Mi'raj. What's the difference between Sama'at Dunya and the first heaven? Sama'at Dunya is like the lowest realm and it's not even called like a, a, it's it's just the lowest realm first heaven is far greater and it's perfect so there's there's no imperfection in the heavens there's imperfection in in, in this this realm of the dunya and there's no disobedience and there's no test in the heavens this is the abode of testing free will e uh, good and evil this just this abode the abodes above us have none of this. Okay, next questions. So we know in our Akhida that there's a rank to the prophets, starting with the Prophet Um, But after the first five, do we have a rank after that? Or is any all the other prophets in status basically the same? Uh, the ranks of the prophets after the first five, which are the Quran calls Ulul Azm Min Rasul, the very strong prophets who have great missions and they are of course the prophet muhammad ibrahim uh, musa isa and muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and uh, after that there is a rank of prophets but we don't know it say yes so idris just because he, we meet him here it doesn't no the the levels of heavens has nothing to do with the ranks of the prophets where 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 the prophet met them because this is not paradise these are the samawat these are abodes they're not there's not paradise so it's not like uh say adam will be in the first level of paradise say naisa in the second level of paradise no all prophets and messengers are in this genital for dose that's in paradise but these are just heavens this is just an abode that they were at at that time and notice that in the miraj we said that the prophet muhammad saw uh, sayyidina musa in his grave Right, uh, reciting the Quran. Then he saw him again in Masjid Aqsa. He prayed with him. Then he saw him again in the sixth heaven. Right? How does a person be in all those places at the same time? We're talking about a, 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 a world and an abode that is not like this one. So there's a lot of things that are going to be different. 
including someone being in this one place at the, all those times. Uh, FGA Free says, does the meeting of prophets thus show istiratha through them is allowed, or is this wrong train of thought? No, I don't think it's a proof of istiratha per se. Uh, they were present and were interacting. In other words, that they are alive. Yes, they are alive. That aspect, they are definitely, we did not say the prophets are dead. If martyrs are alive and prophets are greater than martyrs, right? So there's nothing that martyrs have that prophets don't have. Every prophet has the same of what a martyr has. In other words, they are alive in their grave, a life and an existence greater than the life and existence uh, uh, of this life. Next question. Where is Alam al-Arwah located in heaven? Where is Alam al-Arwah located in heaven? Allahu Alam. Is Mi'raj linked to cosmology, epistemology, or methodology? Mi'raj is a belief based upon transmitted evidence. Our epistemology states that we accept the sound transmissions of the Quran, uh, of the prophets, of the hadith. Mi'raj is described to us through hadith. So that's, hence we accept, we believe in the Mi'raj based upon our epistemology of believing in uh, sound, soundly transmitted hadiths. Is the holiday of Isra and Mi'raj allowed to celebrate? All celebrations are allowed in Islam, based, or, or all celebrations are viewed based upon the item being celebrated, or the matter being celebrated, and the manner in which it's being celebrated. But we don't believe that there's a specific reward connected to it in the way that there is Eid. So are you allowed to celebrate your graduation? Yes, because it's halal to graduate. Are you allowed to celebrate um, having a baby out of wedlock? No, that's haram to celebrate, right? Because that, that action is haram. Are you allowed to celebrate opening a bar? No. Are you allowed to celebrate opening a seafood restaurant? Yes. Are you allowed to celebrate or be great? And, and really, I, I view... Isra and Mi'raj as something to learn. It's more important to learn, to study, than to celebrate. A lot of times the Sufi groups, they celebrate everything, right? If When we say celebration, it's just, just being, like studying it, being happy, maybe sharing some food, right? Making a dua, maybe singing a qasida. Not like a party and a, and a, and a shakedown, but like a, like a, you know, a part, a big party like Eid is a party. Like when we have an Eid party, there's no lectures. You slaughter some lamb, invite the the people, eat lamb, enjoy yourself, right? That's a that's a celebration. That's a party. But these things, it should be knowledge, right? We're we're into seeking knowledge here. That's what that's where the value is in seeking knowledge. Next question. What are some life lessons we can learn from the Miraj? Life lessons we can learn from the Miraj is how vast. The heavens are and the power of Allah Ta'ala in comparison to how small this world is. When we contemplate the Mi'raj, nothing in this world should, should, should is, everything in this world is going to be minimized. What if someone denies the Mi'raj? They're a Mubtada, their deeds don't count until they rectify their beliefs. That's the ruling of a Mubtada in the Sira, uh, uh, in Aqidah, 
is that their deeds do not count until they rectify their deeds, uh, their, their beliefs. Simple as that. You have to believe in the Mi'raj. Uh, my iPad's about to die, unfortunately. So I might not see all your questions. All right, next. Prophet Musa was reciting Quran in the grave. Yes, he was sitting. Uh, uh, you thought uh, I thought he was reciting Salah, reading Salah. No, I, I, it says that he was reciting Quran. Maybe it says he's praying and reciting Quran. I can't remember the exact wording. Next question. Was the Prophet ﷺ shown the hellfire during the Miraj? Yes, the Prophet was shown the hellfire and many people, the way they were being tortured in there. And he saw paradise as well and he saw the Hudalain as well. Uh, here's a question. Is the Tahiyat conversation true that it occurred in the Miraj? It is said that, that the Tahiyat that we say is how the Prophet greeted Allah, then the Pro then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him salam, and the Prophet gave the salam, accepted the salam, and spread it to the rest of the ibadullah salihin. It is mentioned that as for the siha of the hadith, la adri. I don't I don't look at the actual details of the the chain and the commentary on the chain. Is the Buraq in other religious traditions? I don't know if it's in Christianity and Judaism. Is it okay to do ibadah on the night of Mi'raj? okay to do any ibadah on any night but there's no specific reward for the night of mi'raj there's nothing specific about it where unlike for example nisf shaban the dua in it is heavy or all the nights of ramadan or thursday night there's those thing, nights are specifically mentioned or the two nights before eid are specifically mentioned can we go into a different realm when we read our salah when it says that it is our mi'raj I, I guess it's definitely in a different realm in terms of our focus and our attention. Sure that, but is it like someone's soul going into a different state? Allahu Adam. Next question. Is there a difference of opinion if what we see above us, the sky and the outer space and beyond is considered the first heaven? Is outer space the first heaven? Like, you know that some people in the first... Silly, silly, silly. You know what? Not, I'm not saying the question is silly, but some other people had some silly things. When they first discovered seven planets, right? The first discovery of planets were seven. They hadn't discovered Neptune and Pluto yet. You know what they said? They said, that's the seven heavens, right? We've discovered the seven heavens. Like Jupiter is like the third heaven or something. And then they discovered two more planets, Neptune and Pluto. So it ruined their theory. So no, we, we don't see the first, we don't even know where the end of Sama'id-Dunya is. And the Prophet said, the likeness of this realm that we're in, in comparison to the first heaven, is if you threw a ring in the desert. And the likeness of the first heaven, of sky, in comparison to the second, is if you threw in a ring in the desert. And yet, here we are in this world, we don't know the limits of Sama'id-Dunya. So... The answer to that is no. When you see stars and skies and things like that, it has nothing to do with them being the skies, uh, the Samawat, the Seba. Next question. Can Samad, can Samad Dunya be considered as this universe and that there are other universes outside? They mentioned that there's a hadith mentioning the distance of 500 years between them. Mm, I wouldn't describe them as universes. What is a universe, right? What is a universe? What's the actual English definition or scientific definition of a universe? So I wouldn't say that they're the same. No, it's completely different. 
Yeah. So I wouldn't say that there's that we would call those universes. Okay. Uh, Cozy Chloe says, I uh, got that catchy name for sure. Any advice to get prepared now for Ramadan? Yeah, we're, we're going to do a Ramadan prep for sure. Uh, a live stream. But I would make up all your old fasts, right? Make up your old fasts and and start fasting Mondays and Thursdays if you can. And start uh, reciting a lot of Quran from now. And take advantage of Laylat and Nisfim and Shaban. It's almost like a small Laylat al-Qadr before Ramadan. How do we say that? Because the Prophet ﷺ named it amongst the four sacred nights of the year in which dua is answered as it is said. It's such a powerful night. You never want to miss Laylat and Nisfim and Shaban. The Prophet ﷺ said on this night, people's destiny is written for the next year. And then people are freed from the hellfire just on this on that night. And the dua is accepted. So you want to take a big advantage. That means you make sure you know what day it is. If there's like two different calendars, hit both days. What do you have to lose? Next. How many times did the Prophet وسلم, have Miraj in his dreams before the physical happening? Well, the Prophet وسلم, how many times did he have Miraj in his dream before the physical? The Prophet وسلم, had many uh, dreams with angels and with Allah. But they weren't Mi'raj. Other prophets had Mi'raj in their dreams. The prophet's Mi'raj was in the wake. Next. Did the Prophet see Allah with his eyes? Did the Prophet see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his eyes? Uh, the Sahaba didn't end. They, they simply differed on that. And Sayyidah Isha is what Imam Malik supports is that it was Jibreel mentioned in the Quran. Why? What's his evidence? Is that the verse says, Okay. He has seen him in another situation. What was the other situation? The same day of the revelation. Doesn't the story say that the Prophet received the revelation and then he came uh, uh, out of the, the cave and then he looked and he saw Jibreel filling the horizon? So it means seeing Jibreel in his full form. So that's why Imam Malik said that. Qadi Ayyad quotes it. And it's in CLT's book on Isra and Miraj. Next question. Will there be a stream about Nifsa Shaban? Will there be a stream about Nifsa Shaban? The answer is yes, we will do a stream on the Nifsa Shaban. I love the Nifsa Shaban. Because it's like uh, you're fresh, you're strong. And it's one. It's almost like a Laylat al-Qadr, but you didn't have, you're not tired. Laylat al-Qadr, you're tired, right? It's 26, 25, 20 days of fasting, right? You're tired. And there's obligations, right? There's, there's you know, the different Ramadan duties. So sometimes, and there's a lot of people. Mr. Shaban tends to be, like, very private. And you're and you're not tired, and things like this. Uh, Cozy Chloe says, I never heard of the Mr. Shaban. Is it soon? Yes. Get in touch with the Islamic calendar websites. There's, there's um, Crescent Moon Watch, for example. I don't know where you live, but get in touch with the Islamic calendar websites and put the Islamic calendar on your iPhone because there's an option to add calendars. I'm not saying they're always right. Start paying attention to the Nisf of Shaban when it's coming. And when we say the Nisf of Shaban, the, the night for the lunar months is the beginning of the day. So that means after the 14th day, the night between 14th of Shaban and the 15th of Shaban. 
We call that the night of the 15th. Let me repeat that. The night before, between the 14th of Shaban and the 15th of Shaban, we call that the, the, the Nisf of Shaban. Okay? So you're, you really need to pay attention of when is the 14th of Shaban. That night, from Maghrib all the way to Fajr, is a time when dua is answered. So make sure you busy yourself. What do you want in life? What are you shooting for in life? Make sure you busy yourself with that. Okay? And make a lot of istighfar. And make sure you mend any feuds that you have because you won't be accepted if you have a feud. All right? So that's the value of Nisf Shaban. JJ says, does any group read 90 Salah prayers if they reject the Mi'raj? <laughs> I guess it's... It's true, because, I mean, where would you get the five from, right? The 100. Uh, what does that mean in Roman calendar terms? So we are in, 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 our, in the uh, solar calendar terms that we have. Let me just pull up my calendar. On your iPhone, your iPhone, your iPad, you can put Islamic Hijri calendar, right? But you got to keep attention. They're not always right, Islamic Hijri calendar. Today... Is the 2nd of March and the 28th of Rajab. Laylat al-Nisr Sha'ban will likely to be on Friday, the 18th of March. Likely, but pay attention and go to Crescent Moon Watch. There's Chicago uh, Hilal. There's different websites that look for the moon and find the moon, right? So you want to make sure that anybody who says that the Nisr Sha'ban you know, is, is, or, well, once, once we know the first of Shaban, that's what's important, right? So the first of Shaban, according to my, my calendar right now, it says it starts Saturday, this Saturday. Look around. There may be others who say, no, we saw the moon. We didn't see the moon, blah, blah, blah. Because there's calculation and there's moon sighting. On the Nisr of Shaban, you need to hit both. So whoever says, uh, when Shaban starts, go to the 14th of Shaban. The night between the 14th and the 15th of Shaban is what we call Nisf Shaban. And I'm going to read you hadiths that are blow your mind on the power and the blessing of Laylat and Nisfim and Shaban and how much your dua is answered. You should take advantage of it. Never ever leave off and waste time on the Laylat and Nisfim and Shaban because it comes in sound hadiths from many Sahaba. Can we follow the non-Ahl Sunnah calendar for the 14th of Shaban? Like what? Like the Shi'i calendar? You don't have we don't have a shortage of Sunni calendars. So no, there's no reason to start that. So it looks like it's gonna be the 14th of Shaban is looks like it's gonna be around the 18th of March. So mark your calendar and start looking around. Okay, the 18th of March. Shaban starts this weekend. The month of Shaban starts this weekend. And the Nisr Shaban will be on Friday night, most likely. But pay attention to other calendars. And um, let's say, for example, there's a, there's a, I like the calendar called Crescent Watch. They basically, they're out in California. And then there's, okay, I'm going to go to different ones. Crescentwatch.org. Ryan, could you stick these in the comments, please? crescentwatch.org. I don't know if you can see this, but this is what it looks like. And it'll tell you that, you know, 
Crescent Watch encourages everyone to go out looking for the new Crescent for Shaban tomorrow. Okay, so they're going to go and they're going to try to, to, to find a moon sighting. We accept any moon sighting that comes from a proper Muslim observer, that they know what they're doing. There's another one called Hilal Watch, I think. I think it's out of Chicago. There's different websites. Okay. Hilal Watch is actually a company that sells watches. So it's different. <laughs> Chicago Hilal. Chicago Hilal is another moon sighting. To me, it doesn't matter. Moon sighting, calculation, I'm going to do all of them. I want my dua answered. It's worth paying attention and focusing. And make sure you pray to Hajjid that night. Meaning get up in the last third of the night make your dua. This stuff, this is not piety. This is this is greed and common sense. You have a king giving stuff out. You show up, right? That's that's my take on it. Moon Hotline is another website. I never saw that, but let's go and take a look at that. So different. There's different ones. Okay, there are different. Uh, there are different websites that cover all these things. So you got to pay attention. But at least you have a clue, and Nisfa Shaban is on your radar. Okay, next. Who else we got? Uh, any Isra wal Miraj book recommendation? Yeah, there's Isra and Miraj book recommendation. There is, and this will be our last question because we got to wrap up. Um, Isra and Miraj as a book. I'll tell you which one I liked. It's by. I think it's by Said Muhammad Ali Madikin. It's translated. I think. Prophet's Night Journey by whom? Said Muhammad Ali Madikin. It's and it's on Mecca Books. Go to Mecca Books. Oh, Mecca Books is our sponsor, right? So, guys, Mecca Books. Go to Mecca Books and get the book. Could you put the link in, please? Uh, and I'll try to put it here in the um, MeccaBooks.com. Go to Mecca Books. And get uh, there that book on the Israel Mi'raj. It's a green book, right? And it's translated by G.F. Haddad. Yeah, Mecca Books is a wonderful um, website. That's where we get all of our books at Safin Society for all of our classes. We go to Mecca Books. Right. It's only eighteen bucks. It's free, basically. Right. It's basically free. Sort of like uh, Arcview Basic, ten bucks a month basically free right all right folks this was great always great to see you all and talk to you and see everybody here so please do not forget to remember allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this wednesday be between Dhuhr and asr is a time for prayers to be answered see the door the, the, the windows and the gates of heavens are constantly open you just got to be aware of what time you got to pay attention all right give this thing attention and care because it's it's uh it's one of those special days and then it's tomorrow night thursday night Okay, Thursday night. I won't. I will not be at MBIC Thursday night for the program that we do. I'm going to be in, in Virginia at the Shirley Gates Masjid. If you're in the area, come to the Shirley Gates Masjid, right? Uh, for seven at seven thirty. There's going to be Aisha, and then we go down into the basement and we run a program that we're going to have a nice, beautiful program there for about two hours. So go to the Shirley Gates Masjid tomorrow if you're in the Virginia DC area. That's where I'm going to be. Inshallah, Taala. There is no, unfortunately, uh, live stream. They don't have internet there.
Okay, so I don't know what's happening with Virginia, why they don't have internet in certain parts, but they do not have internet connection there. So unfortunately, it will not be streamed. It'll be live. But we do have our normal stream tomorrow. Yes, at 1.30, inshallah ta'ala. JJ says he's going to ask for akhirah and money. What about woman? You got to get married, right? Got to get ma- unless he's already married, but got to ask for love in this life. You got to have love in this life. Allah wants us to be happy, right? That's that's what. Sh- but just keep in mind that it's only hayat dunya. That's all it is. Allah wants you to be happy, but just keep in mind it's hayat dunya, right? We're leaving and we're going to somewhere far better. We ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to give us jannah al firdaus without hisab and make our ha- our hearts filled with happiness in this life and the next. Fill our pockets with wealth that is halal and that is a blessing and is not a distraction. And make our hearts always humble and always make our tongues always moving in dua. Make our hands always outstretched to Allah taala and make our hands always in the giving position more than the receiving position. We ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to fill our eyes with the words of the Quran and fill our tongues with the recitation of his book and the salah on his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and fill our minds with fiqh and aqidah and beneficial knowledge and tafsir we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to always keep us up for tahajjud get us up for tahajjud and always keep us in dua and always keep our hearts serene and tranquil we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make none more beloved to us than his most beloved sayyid al-kawnain sayyidina muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته